Hello everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, What Really Works listeners. It's Olivia here and... Becky. Oh, who would have guessed it? <laughs> who would have guessed it? It'd be you and I. I'd hope people know by now. But actually, we do have a special guest on today because we are going to be discussing men's mental health. And we have on with us Travis. Hi, Travis. Hi. Good to, good to be here. How's it going? I'm already interrupting you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm the worst Worst at hosting podcasts, or at least when we have guests, because I'm like, ah, <laughs> ah, what do I do? The delay really does. It's it's a challenge, and I'm here for it. Uh, I know exactly the pains that you're going through. So, yeah, there's that that slight audio delay where you're like, I, it's a, it's safe now. I can talk. No, <laughs> no, I just cut you off. Um, but what really works, listeners, Travis has his own podcast, so I'm a little bit nervous recording with him <laughs> because I feel like he's a podcast guru and Becky and I are like, teach me your ways, yeah. Travis. <laughs> I really can't profess to be a, a guru. I'm a learner myself. But yeah, it's a, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So we talk about very different things. <laughs> <laughs> Men, mental health and Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, they can be related. And you're going to be teaching us all about men's mental health today. And we're Becky and I are going to try to keep up with the conversation. But before we launch in, we have a very important question for you. Go for it. What's your favorite fruit? Uh, okay. Well... I would probably, I, I mean, I, I love all fruit. I lived in Costa Rica for a long time and you've never had fruit until you've had like fresh picked Costa Rican fruit, pineapples as big as your head. Um, so I would probably have to go with pineapple. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite fruit too. Uh, <laughs> We're also synchronized already. How great. No, get out of here. Your favorite fruit are like peaches or something. Don't um, try to get in on actually, this. Actually, do you not remember? It was a cantaloupe and you had to go at me for how I said cantaloupe, it. Cantaloupe, Travis. Back me up on this. Is it cantaloupe or cantaloupe? Well, this is fantastic. I'm not going to pick sides because <gasps> cantaloupe sounds tremendous. All right. Enough talking about fruits. <laughs> Let's get into the real stuff. Men's mental health. It's November, which means it's Movember, mm-hmm. um, which is a huge initiative in men's mental health as well as men's health as well. So there's a big charity for things like prostate cancer, but a huge part of it now is the mental health side of things. So we felt it would be important for us to kind of hop on here, chat with you, Travis, as you are a man um, <laughs> about men's <laughs> mental health. But I guess maybe a first question for us all to maybe think about an answer is why do we even need to talk about men's mental health why do we need to parcel it out from mental health yeah exactly I think that's a really interesting point is like we we don't say women's mental health right but then all of a sudden we say men's mental health and we do separate it just from that general overarching mental health umbrella And if you're asking me, I think one of the reasons is because the mental health world tends to be largely the voices of women. And we don't hear a lot from from men and what men are experiencing. And there's a lot of reasons for that, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, But one of which I would say is because 
it's hard to be vulnerable when you have grown up in a society where, you know, men aren't really supposed to show their emotions all that much or according to societal expectations. It's just not something that we that men are allowed to talk about. What do you think, Travis? Why do you think it's important to talk about men's mental health? It's one of those things that we're not really comfortable talking about. We're not used to talking about it. You know, I do not profess to be any kind of expert nor a teacher. Again, in another similar kind of space, I'm just a learner. But I am learning more and more all the time about just kind of the dire circumstances that men are in when it comes to mental health, you know, suicide prevention, things like that. It's it's very... It's not a great outlook right now, um, and it's not a great forecast for the future of men's mel- mental health, and we really do just have to start getting better at talking about it, about being okay with talking about it, um, and that vulnerability of saying, hey, I'm not okay right now. Yeah, and I think that's a huge thing is that power of conversation, and that's, I think that is actually the theme of Movember this year. I think that's the whole theme is talking saves lives. You know, getting things off our chest saves lives. Checking in with your mate saves lives. So yeah, I think you're exactly right, Travis. Like Those good conversations are the place to start. And hopefully this, for some people, will be a good conversation. Somebody listening will find this a good, helpful conversation. Yeah, I think speaking about it and just having those conversations is really, really important. I'm a huge advocate for peer support, and that's exactly what peer support is based on, right? It's just having those common experiences that you can get together and chat about. And I don't know about you, Becky, but I find being, you know, identifying as someone that is that is female and having a lot of friends who identify as being female, I talk about my mental health and I talk about my feelings and how I'm doing a lot. And my friends talk about how they're doing a lot, pretty much every day. But I can't imagine that that experience is completely universal for men. Travis, do you have the opportunity to talk to your friends or the people in your circle quite a bit about your mental health or not really? Well, I would say that I'm certainly getting better at it. You know, it's not something that comes naturally at all. You know, I would say among my friends, I'm fairly open with how I'm doing. I have a few very close male relationships that allow me to have that level of vulnerability with them. But it certainly does not come easy. And every single time I do, whether I'm on the listening side of that conversation or I'm on the speaking side of that conversation, there's still this nagging thing in the back of my head that says, no, you know, stiff upper lip, push the feelings down. This is this feels uncomfortable and scary to talk about. You know, if I'm just sitting there having a beer with a friend, the temptation to allow the conversation to always just stay at really, you know, surface level, inconsequential things. Oh, my car's running this way. How did you like that (laughs) ride? You know, it's so easy to stay there. But the really good conversations that I've had in the past and the best even friendships that I've formed have always been with people that it felt not only comfortable enough, but I took the plunge in having those deeper conversations. I had a friend that used to come over to my house once every couple of weeks, and we would just talk about the challenges of our parents and what it must have been like to raise us in a certain time and place and how maybe that affected them and how in turn it affected me. And I cherish those visits. 
because they were really meaningful. Yeah, it's it's hard to do that when there is that you know claw that just keeps trying to drag back your uh, your vulnerability because you don't have to put yourself out there, you don't have to take risks, you don't have to feel uncomfortable if you just never bring that up and therefore you kind of end up suffering in silence. I love that. Suffering in silence. I think that that's a really great way to put it. When you think of vulnerability, Becky, what do you think of? Like, what does vulnerability mean to you? How would you define it? I would say my definition of vulnerability has changed over the years. Probably in the past year, actually, I would say. Uh, Before, I definitely thought vulnerability was a a pretty terrible thing. Oh, interesting. I, in the sense of like in my uh, in myself personally. If somebody told me or was being vulnerable, I was like, wow, that's great. But thinking about vulnerability in myself was like, oh no, that's a bad thing. However, now in this past year, mainly because I've been integrating Bernie Brown into my life more and more, I realized how vulnerability actually opens so many doors, even though it's hard. And it's something incredibly brave to be vulnerable and incredibly daring. And vulnerability allows us to try new things, allows us to be open and even just like being vulnerable to, I don't know, apply for a new job is like incredibly brave and huge and helps us move forward in our lives. And when we're not vulnerable, we actually get stuck is what I learned. If we don't open ourselves up a little bit to maybe new risks and things like that, we can get stuck. And when we're stuck, that can be really hard and we can just feel like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place where we don't want to open up because that's scary, but at the same time, we just kind of feel locked in a small space, which I know is a really not succinct thing when you're asking me what vulnerability means, but that's kind of how I look at it. No, I I think that that's great. And I like how you're saying open up, right? And it, we need to open up in order to move forward. And that could be opening up, like you said, to new opportunities, to new life experiences. But drawing specifically back to what Travis was saying, it's opening ourselves up to those to our feelings, to those deeper conversations instead of those surface level um, humdrum in that we're going through every day and really expressing with other people and also most importantly expressing with ourselves what we're going through. I think often when we think about having conversations about mental health and especially men's mental health, the part that we skip over first is in order to have a conversation with someone else about how we are feeling, we have to be able to have that conversation with ourselves first and be open to knowing, you know, be open to recognizing our own experiences, which is no small task and it's incredibly difficult feat to kind of, you know, go through. And Travis, I'm really curious, even the way that you were just expressing, you know, how you were able to have those great conversations with your friends. How did you get to that place if it's if it's something that you can even pin down or you know, I've never had to really deal with any major mental health issues. I've been very fortunate in that. I would say that most of mine, at least what I've experienced, has been fairly surface level, um, more routine maintenance than anything uh, critical to be addressed. But that being said, I think it's different for everybody. And what that experience looks like is only personal to the individual that's experiencing them. And so, you know, it started with just kind of this idea of, you know, kind of masculinity and dealing with stuff head on and and all of those kind of uh, very stereotypical ideals of what a man should do. You know, take care of business, uh, deal with stuff head on, fix things, 
you know, it's, it's that kind of perception. And it took me kind of wrapping my head around and actually seeking uh, a counselor and speaking to somebody a little bit more about just kind of the stresses that I was under and, and things like that. And it was all very helpful. And But it did help me kind of reframe the way I was approaching my own mental health. And that is in dealing with it. <laughs> um, you know, being the fixer, acknowledging it and saying, you know what, any other situation that I would come across, it was my job to sit down, analyze it, look at it, fix it. That's what I do professionally. Um, that's what I do in a lot of other areas of my life. I, you know, if you talk to friends, I'm very direct. Uh, I don't hold a lot of things back. But for some reason, I was holding back talking about some bigger, more important things. And it was only because of those those perceptions that I had about like being strong and being, you know, presenting very uh, cold, <laughs> non-feeling front. And it was, hey, take charge of this, figure it out, fix it like it's a problem, keep up on the maintenance of your own mental health. And then it became a very direct, hey, I'm doing something that is, in fact, it fits within my perception of what Manly was, of just being a doer, being a fixer and saying, no, own your own, own your own stuff, uh, you know, clean up your garbage, make sure that it's neat and tidy and uh, feel strong in doing so. I love that feeling strong in taking care of yourself. I think that that is an absolutely wonderful way to frame how we can take care of our mental health and still maintain those what it sounds like values to you, like, you know, strength and being reliable and being able to face your problems head on. Those are your values. And you're able to actually further those values through maintaining and taking care of and having conversations about your mental health. And for our What Really Works listeners, one of the things that Becky and I have discussed on multiple occasions is how important our values and beliefs are to our mental health. Um, to the conversations that we're having with not only ourselves, but also with others. And that's exactly what it seems like you did, Travis, is you identified those things that are very important in your life and then found a way to really show up for those values, which I, I think is amazing. Well, and there was actually a second part to that as well in that it was actually through another kind of avenue and finding ways to connect mental health with something else that you love to do. I found... The Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, which is a, a yearly motorcycle ride where everyone dresses really dapper. You know, you dress to the nines and you ride your vintage or retro styled motorcycle. And I have a nice triumph that is my pride and joy. And we ride together and raise money and awareness for the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, which is actually supporting directly the Movember Foundation. You know, it was actually seeing that ride and seeing those men come together for a really good cause. And, you know, then being exposed to more of the issues that were underlying, you know, 510,000 men die from suicide every year globally. That's a man a minute. And we have to really address that, okay, that's a problem. Like there's a huge disparity between uh, the types of demographics that that really deal with mental health, and 
those that don't. And unfortunately, men do not deal with mental health. And the proof is really in the numbers. Something that kind of links in with the suicide rates in men, especially in men under the age of uh, 45, it's the biggest cause of death in men under under the age of 45 and also linking to the distinguished gentleman's ride Travis and you saying you know all these guys coming together on their motorbikes as a community is loneliness and isolation and they're two huge things and it must be so isolating and feeling so lonely not being able to have these conversations where it's so scary to speak and say hey I'm not okay so scary to not have relationships of people just checking in to make it a little bit easier to be like actually today's a really bad day for me like that must be so lonely to do that and you know these communities like the distinguished gentleman's ride not only is raising awareness of men's mental health and is an amazing initiative but it's also bringing people together to say hey I'm not alone in this I'm not isolated in this and you know what? Even C- like CMHA, we say that all the time. It's one of our taglines of you are not alone. But sometimes that is so incredibly hard to visualize and to have resonate with us. You know, you might think that we're not alone. And we know that every single one of us has mental health and has things happen in their lives that are hard to deal with. But if folks aren't open about that, then outwardly facing, it does feel like you're alone sometimes. So having things like the Distinguished Gentleman Ride, Movember, and talking to people like Travis coming on and talking on the podcast really does move that from just a saying to actually it being a present and being something that can feel true and is true. Yeah, and I'd only add that those seeds start very, very early. And we don't really realize we're doing it. But every time somebody tells a five-year-old boy to that boys don't cry or... Toughen up. Toughen up or, you know, and it, it it's really, it's not ever intended in the way of trying to suppress somebody's emotions. You know, some young boy skins his knee and you dust him off. You don't want to deal with a crying child. And so you... You say, stop crying, it's fine, toughen up, you're okay. And those seeds grow into massive oaks that just cannot be hacked down easily. Uh, they're, you know, they're deeply rooted, and that's what is that claw in the back of your mind saying, don't open up, boys don't cry, just toughen up and try and get yourself through it. And that also lends to the, I shouldn't talk about this and I shouldn't reach out and say, hey, I'd love to just get into some really deep conversation. And deep conversation can mean anything. Uh, it can mean, you know, talking about your your life and your needs and your wants and your dreams, but it can also lead to, and when we get into that habit of having just deeper good conversations, it means that the door is then open for other conversations saying, hey, uh, you know what? Do you mind if we meet up? I'd love to talk about some some heavy stuff that I'm dealing with right now. And I think most people would be surprised. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you asked yourself or asked anybody else, would you be there for a friend if they said they needed it? Every single person would say, yes, of course, I will be there for a friend if they need it. But for some reason, a lot of us just, uh, and when I say us, I mean mostly men, 
to just sit there and uh, remain obstinate and plant their heels and say, no, I'm not going to reach out to friends. I'm not going to ask for help when I need it. I love the way that you described really initiating that conversation. So I'd really like to pause there and just have you explain you know, what those steps are. So you, you kind of went through that process of being like, you know, I'll call up a friend. And then you sounded as though you kind of let that friend know what, what, what you want to happen in that conversation uh, when you'll be meeting up. Can you just walk our listeners through that process a little bit more? Oh boy, if I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it really just does start with starting to very directly have uh, a conversation with wanting to get into deeper stuff. Most people will agree that small talk kind of sucks. I hate it. Uh, it's, it's a little awkward. It's a little stilted. And saying just, hey, would you love to get together and go deeper than some small talk? I want to I talk some real stuff. I want to <laughs> get into the meat of it. And most people would be like, yeah, you know what? I've, I don't get to do that very often. So yeah, let's get into it. And kind of curating that environment, it takes a lot of work, takes routine, but it means that you'll have those places that you can reach out. Because I think that, um, you know, asking the average guy to, you know, just start being more open with everybody and talking about, like, that's a little bit of a big ask. Yeah, that's a huge ask. To ask to curate some very specific and deliberate relationships with people where you can say, hey, you know what? you're my person that I talk about the real stuff with. And not only does that make really cool, strong friendships, um, you know, the friend that I was talking about earlier, uh, we still, we don't live in the same city anymore, but we still chat. Uh, we text each other every once in a while. He'll reach out to me and say, hey man, hope you're doing well. And, you know, it, it's always, we're always leaving that door open for one another in the event that one of us needs to talk. Uh, even though we don't still get together and we don't have those drinks like we used to, that door is still open because we curated that relationship. I think it does take a deliberate thing, you know, that I think a lot of men can wrap their heads around a little bit more of, I'm going to make, I'm going to set down to the task, the very strategic task, uh, and I'm going to fix this exact problem of nobody to talk to by trying to curate some of these relationships and yeah, and then just starting to to have them on a, you know, a biweekly or even a monthly basis. This is our day. We go out and we ha we go bowling or whatever your thing is with that person, whatever the commonality is. Then we also talk about this, and you just tack that on, and all of a sudden you have curated something that is uh, is going to be a valuable avenue to you one day. I love that. I love as well you saying about leaving the door open. And your friend texting you a message of like, hey, hope you're doing well. That reduces that isolation and loneliness, making it easier for, you know, you were having a pretty tough week to be like, hey, like, I know that we wouldn't normally meet until next week, but could you ever catch it like today or tomorrow? Leaving that open. We quite often like to give like tips and tricks in this podcast. And one thing that we spoke about beforehand was maybe we're completely new to this idea of leaving the door open for friends or trying to have a conversation with somebody who feels like a really good, safe friend. So we actually found a bit of an acronym called ALEC to help us have these good conversations and check in with our friends. Um, because sometimes as well, we can maybe notice 
changes in behavior. So maybe we've got that one friend who always um, loves a good meal and then you all go out for food and they don't really touch their food. Or maybe somebody is always like the king of like the WhatsApp chat and then all of a sudden they're quiet for quite a while. We might notice something changing in people's behavior. So we can use this acronym ALEC to help us with that check-in. So the A stands for ask and that might just be like, what's up? Or, hey, what's going on? Or you're particularly close with this person. Maybe you say like, hey, I noticed you've been pretty quiet in the WhatsApp chat. Just wanted to check in to see if everything's all right. I'm here for you. Doors always open, like you said, Travis. Hopefully we've opened that door for that person and hopefully it feels safe for them where we can then listen to them and they have that space to talk with us about how they're feeling. The E in ALEC then stands for encourage. So that's encouraging that person on their strengths, knowing that they're not alone, letting them know that you're there for them, encouraging them in that kind of support in whatever way you can. And then the C for ALEC stands for check-in. So we don't just leave it at that conversation. Maybe a couple of days later, we might check in with them and be like, hey, just wanted to see how you're doing again. And that can be really helpful. Maybe if maybe somebody listens to this podcast and is like, I'm going to reach out to my friend. I'm going to I'm going to say I want to meet with them to go bowling and just have this like in-depth conversation. We can kind of go with Alec to have in the back of our minds of like, okay, this is how I can create a really helpful response because sometimes it can be almost a little bit scary and we've got to be vulnerable ourselves to ha- to listen to those. Oh, 100%. And what I want to add there is, like Becky just said, it can be really difficult to open ourselves up to even, you know, ask our friends and ask if, open that door for that conversation. So one of the things that we do want to go in being aware of is, you know, we're having this chat about how great it is to have good connections and have really deep, open conversations and how that can be beneficial for our mental health and our friends or loved ones' mental health. But we also can't go in with any expectations. Um, Just because we, you know, want to be there for those that are in our lives and really want to work on opening ourselves up, that doesn't necessarily mean that every time we meet up with someone that that door is going to be open because sometimes people do close that door. There's plenty of times where I close that door because I'm just working on some stuff internally and I'm not ready to to open up and I'm not ready to check in. So going through those steps of asking, listening, encouraging and checking in is great. And with that asking part, make sure that we are asking and whoever we're asking does have that opportunity to feel like they can say no. Uh, and then also make sure we are listening and not providing um, kind of unsolicited advice if someone does walk through that door. You know, that's really interesting that you say that, Olivia, because thinking about it now, I have about four very close relationships that I feel pretty confident that I could say, hey, uh, do you want to meet up for a chat or or can we hop on a call or whatever? But not only are those four now people that if one door might be closed, I know that there's a few others that might be open. And of those doors that I have, of those people that I have in my life that I can talk to about this kind of stuff, None of them were created by accident. It was an absolute deliberate act that was uh, that was actually spurred on by that counselor who said, hey, make sure that you have someone to talk to because what you just unloaded on me was a lot. Um, <laughs> and maybe you need to talk about this kind of stuff regularly. And you know what? It's just it's like a vent. Um, sometimes you just got to blow off a little steam and you got to talk through some stuff to get some clarity 
And that has to be done really deliberately. Like you're not going to just wind up falling into a great friendship that you can have these kind of conversations with and you can't just trust that luck will take care of it. Um, though if you do, then you're incredibly lucky and count yourself lucky if you did fall into a, some relationships like that. But I would say as a as a man, it can be incredibly hard and, and there does have to be significant deliberate effort put into, I'm going to make sure that I curate relationships like this. I need two or three. And not only are they rewarding for both parties, they're they're there for you when you need them. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. And, you know, relationships aren't easy. We're going to have some episodes coming up in the future all about relationships, mm. both friendships and romantic relationships. And, you know, since relationships aren't easy, one of the other things that we can rely on if we do need to, like Travis is saying, open that vent and let some steam off is groups like peer support groups, uh, crisis lines that we can just phone into and kind of you know, give us a little bit more permission to be vulnerable. I think often it can it can feel quite intimidating to be vulnerable in front of the people that are closest to you because everyone wants to be liked. Everyone wants to be liked by their friends. So calling into those lines, going to an anonymous peer support group or even just to a counselor like uh, Travis did for that first step is always a great thing to keep on our list of beneficial and helpful wellness tools. One of the things that got me to that initial spot where we were, I was considering talking to a counselor was kind of a quiet realization of the way that a lot of men deal with problems and the way that we don't use the same methodology on our own mental health. So it was a big kind of initial thing for me to get over to say like, you know what, I'm going to call a counselor because I didn't feel like I had anything necessarily wrong that I needed to talk about. I, I had some stresses and I had some things that I was dealing with, but all in all, I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing all right. And one of the big revelations to me uh, came in the form of working on my motorcycle, which, you know, if any person is working on, you know, if you're working on a car, or you're doing any kind of mechanical work, you're going to reach a point where you say, oh man, this problem is bigger than I anticipated. I really need to look elsewhere, you know, especially when it comes to something that is potentially very dangerous. So, you know, before I go into a working on the mechanics of my engine, I might call an expert. Uh, I might call somebody who has the experience that I need to make sure that I do this right. And typically, you know, if you if we're kind of generalizing here, men will attempt to tinker with something, or at least I will. I'll attempt to disassemble my bike. And before I know it, I have pieces everywhere. And I'm way in over my head. And I do not have the skill to put it back together. And I had better call a mechanic. I better call somebody who knows better than I do. And, you know, it always starts with this minor challenge that I go, I can deal with that myself. Oh, I can I can I can take that piece off. I can I can change my chain just fine. But then one thing leads to another and I'm attempting to completely disassemble my bike with no hope of getting it back together and at some point I'm going to call a mechanic. Well, <laughs> I think that analogy works well in terms of mental health is 
we'll often get ourselves to these places where we cannot put it back together ourselves. And maybe we do need to reach out and seek professional's help because if we continue to deny that maybe we do not have the skill set ourselves, and that's okay. That, you know, it's okay that we don't know how to completely put a motorcycle back together and we don't completely know how to fix all of our own mental challenges that we're dealing with. There are people that do. I love that analogy so much, Trevor. The entire time that you were speaking, Becky and I were just looking at each other and nodding our heads viciously. <laughs> we were like, yes. And I love what you said in the beginning of, you know, I, I thought that everything, was, there wasn't necessarily anything wrong with me, right? And that's how it is for a lot of people. There mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily, and most often there isn't something that is glaringly obvious mm -hmm that is challenging our mental wellness and having a, a larger impact than we think on our lives. And I think that's the case, especially for men, because it's this, you know, it's just a small thing. I can do it myself. I don't need any help. You know, I'm strong and I can do this. Well, and keeping with the motorbike analogy <laughs> and a phrase you used earlier, Travis, as well, is routine maintenance. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody knows with your motorbike, any kind of vehicle, you've got to get your oil changed. You've got to do your routine maintenance, right? But you've got to do all these like, you know, boring things. And that's the same with mental health. I know where you're going with this. Self-care, uh, baby. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I was about to say how, Travis, I noticed how you, were, you said routine maintenance earlier. And the way you worded it was kind of as though you were alluring to self-care. But self-care is definitely, in society, especially in social media, is like this big, like, feminine thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like bubble bath. Which, I mean, definitely might not necessarily be a feminine thing. We've had rants about self-care on here before, but my point is <laughs> <laughs> that routine maintenance of your bike is the same with the routine maintenance of our mental health. It's what I'm trying to get out. And weirdly enough, working on your motorcycle can be self-care. Yes. It can, <laughs> you know, all of those things that make you feel good, taking the time and making sure that you do that proactively is so valuable. And really, again, going back to what kind of kicked it off, was my employer offers a free counseling service. Like we have a, a vendor that we can go and talk to a counselor. And I never had before. And I thought, well, it's free. <laughs> I might as well. And it's just like maintenance, just like getting your oil changed. It's so easy to put it off, put it off till next week, put it off till next month, uh, put it off till next year. Okay, now your engine is exploding it's overheating, you're, you're doing major damage that you don't even necessarily realize until something falls off. <laughs> and then it's, it's too big a problem to handle. Now you're getting tow trucks. The same is so true with your own mental state is that, you know, I just kind of looked at it and I said, well, uh, I guess if it's free, let's, let's go see what it's all about. And it's so surprising and so liberating when you see the value in doing so and just keeping that routine maintenance, stay up on it. And, uh, you know, there are so many resources that are available to people that want them. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that there's so many different resources because mental health and how we promote our mental wellness is really individual for each person. I think that, you know, counseling is a really, really great option. I always talk about peer support. I think I've already mentioned it like four times in this podcast. It's a great option. But then there's also things like like Travis is saying, of 
his self-care is working on his motorcycle. You would never catch me working on a motorcycle for my self-care because I would be throwing wrenches around and not know what (laughs) I was doing. But I do love to clean and I love to hike. But, you know, we all have those different things that really do support and promote our mental wellness. So it's just a matter of... For now, if mental health is something that's new to you and it is a very scary and vulnerable thing to begin to take part in and to recognize and begin to actualize, just stick your stick your little pinky toe in and you can start small, whether that's having a good conversation with a friend that you really trust, whether it's you know, maybe doing some self-reflection about this podcast or, you know, there's so many different opportunities available to just begin to think about it. Uh, And it's very important to have these conversations with our male friends, but just any friends in general. Is there anything else you want to add, Travis? Uh, No. I mean, if if it's an opportunity to plug the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride or Movember, um, both (laughs) are incredibly uh, awesome charities. Yeah, I don't know. I... And if there's an opportunity to get together with a friend to talk about motorcycles and maybe something that's troubling them or or is challenging to you, I would 100% endorse that and say that it's the best move that you'll make. I love that. Thank you, Travis. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Travis. I feel everything you said, Becky and I, this entire episode have been like, I love that. I love that. And just shaking our heads. (laughs) Yes, because it is so wonderful to hear about the wellness journey that you have found yourself on and hear you advocating for other people to hop on board and join that journey as well. And, you know, as mental health professionals, but then also just as people and as your friend, we really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.